According to 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15, that believers are to make a defense for the hope that you have. Also Philippians chapter 1 verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. We are commanded to defend the word of God, the context of the word of God, and the purity of the word of God. This is the defender of the word of God. It's a great evening. We want to welcome you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our broadcast again. Once again, my name is James Fox. This is a defender. And today's date is February the 17th. 2019. And we are so excited to be with you today. Now, on our broadcast last week, we talked about a very important topic. And if you hadn't had a chance to go back and uh, listen to that broadcast, it may be best that you do so. Uh, The broadcast was uh, talking about the will of God. As a matter of fact, the broadcast was called What is God's Will? And we discussed several things in that. So it was a a very powerful broadcast. And it's going to be important that you go back on our page and pick up where we left off there, because this broadcast is going to be a continuation, as we spoke about last week, about the will of God. We got a bit of different things we're going to talk about tonight in regards to that. And we're going to relay some real powerful truths so that you can be edified. So thank you for coming on the broadcast again. We want to say thank you to all of our listeners uh, throughout the nations. We really, really uh, appreciate you coming on our broadcast and spending time with us week after week. Uh, So as I said, uh, today's date is February 17, 2019. And just know that we are on every Sunday at 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And this is the Defender Broadcast. Now, we would love for you to be a partner with us. And you can do that by going on our page. It's it's called anchor.fm forward slash the hyphen defender. That's anchor.fm forward slash the hyphen defender. When you go on that page, you will see all of our episodes, everything that we have produced thus far. And also you can be a partner with us. We invite you to be a partner with James Fox Ministries so we can keep these broadcasts on the air. We have a three tier level that you can give at. One starts at 99 cents a month. And then we have another one at $4.99 and then $9.99. Consider becoming a partner with us so we can keep this word going out throughout the nations. Amen. All right. So tonight's broadcast we was talking about the will of God. And so we're still in that vein. So if we was to title anything at all on our broadcast today, it will be titled Choosing God's Will Over Your Own. And that's that's heavy in itself. Choosing God's will over your own with the subtext title when you are not God's choice. <laughs> when you are not God's choice. So we're going to get right into this. Let's open this up so we can get some revelation tonight. Can we do that? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the broadcast. Thank you for those that are listening uh, we we charge the atmosphere now, Father, with your presence, that you will illuminate your word to us. Let it get deep down in our spirit, Father, that we can understand and comprehend what you are speaking in your word. Now, Father, we ask to be forgiven of every sin and trespass that we've committed. We ask for a clean slate today, God. Open up our spiritual ears that we may hear and let our hearts not be hardened that we can receive. And these things we pray in Jesus name. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer and if you believe that, then I believe that you are ready to receive what we have tonight. Now, we always come on the broadcast and we have our Bible. You can hear my pages. I talk about it week after week. You got to have something in front of you because we want you to be studied up. We want you to show yourself approved and we want you to be able to go back in the word and be able to study on your own. You have to get a comprehension of the word of God in order for you to grow in this life. It's not enough for you to just listen to somebody else. You have to have your own time 
with the scriptures so that you can see truly what God is speaking to you. So tonight's broadcast, once again, if you're just joining us, is called Choosing God's Will Over Your Own with the subtext title, When You Are Not God's Choice. Now, I don't know about you, but as for me, that's a hard pill to swallow already. And I'm saying that truthfully, because uh, when you are not God's choice for a certain thing, that can put you at odds. That can put you in a bit of indifference. You can feel, you know, as they say, some kind of way if you're not God's choice for a particular thing. And so then, in fact, you have to be uh, mature enough to know that you are choosing God's will over your own. So this particular story is going to lay this out for us this evening, okay? This particular story is going to speak volumes in the place of choosing God's will over your own when you're not God's choice. So let's turn in the Bible. I'm reading out the King James Version. We're going to go to the book of 1 Samuel 13. And give you a bit of backdrop on this story. We're talking about a young man by the name of Jonathan. He was King Saul's son, and he was the next in line to be the king. You know, how many of you know that when you're dealing with royalty, we're dealing with um, uh, kingdom figures, those that uh, have thrones and things of that nature? Generally, uh, the eldest son is the one who's supposed to take up the reins. Uh, next in line. You know, they'll be the ones to say, I got next. And so this is what it was for Jonathan. King Saul was currently the reigning king, but John Jonathan was the eldest son. And so he was supposed to take the throne. So let's read here in 1 Samuel 13. It says, Saul reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash, and in Mount Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gabeah of Benjamin. And the rest of the people, he sent every man to his tent. Verse three, it says, and Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the, Hebrew, let the Hebrews hear. So in this particular passage, we're getting a backdrop about Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of the king. And the king had put himself with 3,000 men, and he put, uh, put uh, 3,000 men. He took two, and then he gave 1,000 with Jonathan. But Jonathan was so mighty in battle that he was able to take out a whole garrison of Philistines. He was able to take out, take out a whole troop of people with less men than were with his father. This just goes to show you that, you know, Jonathan was very uh, noble. He was a, a noble young man because Jonathan was fighting with his family. He was fighting to protect his father and the people. And so for you and I to understand that, we got to we got to see that. See, natural relationships will put you in a place to want to defend what you think is the will of God. Did you get that? Natural relationships will put you in a place to where you want to defend what you think is the will of God. How many people know that if you feel like somebody in your family is deserving or they're supposed to get this spot, you know, you're going to do everything in your power to make sure they do. I mean, you got the little leaguers, people on football teams and uh, different sports, you know, and they feel like their son is supposed to be up. Oh, they're going to go to the coach and they're going to jump on the coach. You know, they're going to tell the coach, yeah, you supposed to have my son and my daughter. They're supposed to be in this position. And, you know, you see stuff like that all the time because they think that their family member or their child, you know, is the one that's supposed to be next in line. And so, you know, in our humanity, we will fight other people because we think that we're supposed to be the next in line. It's what we think is the right course. And so this is kind of what it is here in this particular passage. So let's go over here. We're going to read in 1 Samuel. We're going to go to chapter 20. We're going to go to 1 Samuel and we're going to read in chapter 20. Now, this 
like I said, is an extremely powerful story. So let's go ahead and get ready to, to get our reading in. All right. So it says um, in verse one, it says, David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, he said, what have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father that he seeks my life? So let's understand this, that David was on the run from Saul. Saul was chasing him because he had got stirred up in jealousy. He had got stirred up in envy and he wanted revenge and he wanted to take David out because he knew that the hand of the Lord was with David. You see that? So he said to him, he said, God forbid. This is Jonathan said, he said, thou shalt not die. He said, you're not going to die. He said, behold, my father would do nothing, either great or small, but that he'll show it to me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. So here's Jonathan saying, no, you're not going to die, David. I will know what's going on in the household. See, and that's for us. We know what's going on in our household, in our natural affection. We know the things that are taking place. But as you will see here, God is positioning this young man to be in a very, very significant place. And so it says, David swear more and said, thy father certainly know that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he said, let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved, but truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul live, there is but a step between me and death. So David here was saying, listen, I know your dad know that you and I become fast buddies. You know, we're friends. You know, he knows that we're friends and he knows that you found grace in my sight. Now you see, this is a man, Jonathan is supposed to be taking over the throne. But yet and still, he knows that David has something significant on his life. And that's like you and I. You know, God may be positioning somebody close to us or around us to do something. And it may be of a greater capacity than what we are called to do or what we think we're called to do. And so we got to watch how we handle that when God has set that up. So he says, Jonathan said in the day, he said, whatsoever thy soul desires, I will even do it for thee. So here is a man that was committed. I mean, he was torn, though, because he had his father who wanted to kill the man, but then he had made friends with the man. You see that? So there was the natural affection, and then there was the spiritual affection. And this is the kind of war that goes on with you and I when it comes to the things of God. So let's read there. It said, but David said to John, behold, tomorrow is the new moon and I shall not fail to sit with the king at meat. But let me go that I may hide myself in the field until the third day at even. So, you know, David normally sat with the king when they sat down and had their dinner. That's basically what it's saying. He's saying, but listen, I need to go and I'm, let me go and hide because I know this man is after my life. He said, if your father miss me, then say, David asked leave of me that he might run to Bethlehem to his city, but there's a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. And if he say thus as well, thy servant shall have peace. But if he be very wroth, or that means upset, then be sure that evil is determined by him. Verse eight, therefore thou shalt deal kindly with thy servant, for thou hast brought thy servant into a covenant of the Lord with thee, notwithstanding, if there be in me iniquity, slay me thyself, for why shouldst thou bring me to thy father? So here's David saying again, he said, listen, if I'm wrong about what I'm doing, if I'm uh, acting out of mischief, if I'm, if I'm out of character in this, you know, you don't have to take me to your dad so he can kill me. You're going to do it yourself. You see that? He said, slay me yourself. But he's doing this because he knows that God is positioning him to do something great. This is what Jonathan said. He said, far be it from me. He's basically saying, listen, I, I don't even worry about that. That's far from something that I would ever do. He said, for if I know certainly that evil were determined by my father to come upon thee, then would not I tell it thee? So what he's saying, he said, listen, if he's going to do you harm and I know about it, don't you think I'm going to come and tell you? You see that this this is the spiritual aspect of following God, even in the opposition of your natural affection or your family affection. Sometimes this comes down to that. This this story is real, but it's symbolic in many ways about the way we deal with certain things. So here's Jonathan saying, listen, I'm going to let you know if some harm going to come your way. I'm going to tell you. Verse 10. Then David said to Jonathan, 
He said, who shall tell me? Or what if that father answered thee roughly? Basically saying, listen, if your father go off on you, you know, if he's going to get, get mad at you, then how am I going to know if he's going to deal with you in some kind of way? And this is what Jonathan said. He said, look, let's, let's go out to the field. And they both went out. They went out to the field and Jonathan said unto David, now he's praying as he's speaking. He said, oh Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow any time or the third day, and behold, if there be good toward David, I, and I then shall send not unto thee and show it thee. The Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do thee evil, then I will show it thee and send thee away that thou mayest go in peace and the Lord be with thee as he's been with my father. So Jonathan is answering back to David. He said, listen, I'm serious about this thing. He said, listen, we're, we're, we're cutting covenant right now. We're getting ready to cut some covenant. We're getting ready to make an agreement between you and me. He said, listen, if I know about it, I'm going to tell you about it. And then he went so far as to bring it before God. You see that? And so that's how we got to be. Everything that we're doing, we got to be able to be in a place where we'll bring it before God so he can render the effective judgment on it. You see that? So this is powerful what Jonathan is doing at this time. And then he says, and thou shalt not only while yet I live show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord have cut off thy enemies of David, everyone from the face of the earth. Verse uh, eight, uh, 18. Uh, yeah, he says, so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying that the Lord even required at the hand of David's enemies. So here is Jonathan again. They've made a covenant. That word means an agreement. So they've made a pact and they made it before God. And Jonathan is saying, listen, because I'm going to do this, because you're my friend, because I'm going with the will of God, uh, and I know this is God's will, he said, listen, just make sure that those that come from my seed, that they always get some kindness shown to them. And as you keep reading, you find out in the story that Jonathan had a son that David showed kindness to, even when the whole house of Saul was cut off. When everybody from that lineage was cut off, David was in a position to show favor, and he did. So you see the power of covenant, ladies and gentlemen. When you make covenant, it's a powerful thing. When you make covenant before God, it's a powerful thing. And it is binding even unto the grave. You see that. It's binding unto the grave. And that's the covenant that God made with you and me when he decided to come in the form of a man and save us. And if we receive him, he's grafted us into his house forever. Do you see that? So he says here, he said, then Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him for he loved him as he loved his own soul. So this was true friendship. This is what it means when it says uh, that you are to uh, a friend will lay down his life. A friend sticks closer than any brother. This is one that scripture in the Bible that says that. And this is what it means. Now, they wasn't they weren't blood related but they were related in the spirit. They were related in God. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, you'll find yourself closer to those that you've got a spiritual connection with than you do in natural affection. I know you know that. I know somebody's saying amen to that. Some people you will meet or come across because you all share the same DNA in the spirit you have a closer bond to and a connection to than those that may be in your own blood lineage. You see that? So God's way of doing things, and when the spirit comes, it overshadows and it's thicker than anything. It's stronger than anything. So here we says that David said in tomorrow, he said, tomorrow's the new moon. Thou shalt be missed because that seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, then you shall go down quickly and come to the place where you did hide yourself when the business was at hand and shall remain by the stone Ezel. He says, and I'll shoot three arrows on the side thereof as though I shot at a mark. And behold, I will send a lad saying, go find the arrows. If I expressly say unto the lad, behold, the arrows on this side of thee, take them and then come on. But for there's peace to thee and no hurt as the Lord liveth. 
So here it is that Jonathan is telling David, he's saying, listen, I'm going to do this. I'm going to shoot three arrows. And if it falls on this side, then you know that it's peace unto you. You see that? He's saying, I'm letting you know this, that when I do this, then you know that there's peace. So this covenant is very strong. Now, as we said before, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, the natural course of thing would be for Jonathan to be very upset and have nothing to do with David. You see that? Because he knew that he was the next in line. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. How do you act when you think you're the next in line and you're not? I'm going to pause again. How do you act when you think you're the next in line for the promotion and you find out that you're not? How are you, how are you going to act in that instance? You see that? See, that's why we're saying choosing the will of God over your own will. And that's what Jonathan is doing in this particular story. He's choosing God's will over his own. So let's keep reading, all right? In verse 22, he said, but if I say unto the young man, behold, the arrows are beyond thee, go your way, for the Lord has sent thee away. And as touching the matter which thou and I have spoken of, behold, the Lord be between thee and me forever. You see that? This is very powerful language. Very powerful language that he's speaking right here. He says, if I say unto you, that we're we going to touch this thing and this stuff that we've spoken of, that there, be, uh, uh, th that there be peace between you and me forever. So it says, David hid himself in the field, verse 24. And when the new moon was come, the king sat him down to eat meat. All right, so here's the king. The new moon has come. He's sitting down, getting ready to have his dinner. He's getting ready to sit. And then he looks over and it says, the king sat upon his seat as at other times, even upon a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose and Abner sat by Saul's side and David's place was empty. So here he's got a red flag right here because he said, listen, he's supposed to be here. This man is supposed to be here. But as we stated before, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, David had to run for his life because the very person that he was supposed to sit next to is the very person that's trying to kill him. Wow, did you get that? Sometimes in life, you may be sitting beside a person and this person is supposed to be joined to you and supposed to be for your good, but all the while, there's a plot that's in that person's heart to get rid of you. See, you got to be aware of these things. So David was hiding at this time. It says he was hiding. It says, so nevertheless, he says, Saul spake not anything that day. So he didn't think nothing. He just said, said, for he thought something has befallen him. Maybe he's not clean. Well, surely he's not clean. Okay. So he's basically saying he hasn't purified himself. He's not washed. He's not ready to come because you had to be dressed. You had to be uh, clean. You had to be ceremonial clean. All of that is different. Different things that you had to go through before you could sit down in the presence of a king. It's the same way when we come before God. That's that's a picture of what sin is like. This is talking about their story, but it's a picture of what sin is like. That's why when we come before God, God is a king. Did you get that? God is a king. So when he sends out his banquet for us to come and dine with him, we have to come in and be ceremonially clean. Well, you may say, well, how do I get ceremonially clean? It's when you ask for forgiveness and repent of your sins. That's the cleansing part. You see that? That's how we get to come before God and sit before him when we have confessed our sins and asked for the cleansing. He has a laver. He has a washing that takes place. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what cleanses us and puts us back in right relationship and fellowship with God. You see that? So he said, surely he's not clean. And then in verse 27, it says, and it came to pass on the morrow, this is the next day, which was the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. Now, here's where it gets interesting. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, he said, wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse to meet neither yesterday nor today? Basically saying, listen, 
David did not come and sit here yesterday and he's not here today. So I know something is up. This is this is Saul. This is the king. He said, I know something is up. He said, they ain't come either day. But then this is what Jonathan said. He said, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. So how could David do that? David could only ask somebody who was supposed to be in charge because Jonathan was the next man in line. Remember that he is the king's son. So he said, let me go. This is what he's, this is what he's telling his father. He's telling his dad, King Saul. He said, David said, let me go. I pray thee for our family has a sacrifice in the city and my brother and he commanded me to be there. And now if I found favor in your eyes, let me get away. I pray thee and see my brethren. So basically saying, listen, let me go see my family. Therefore, he cometh not to the king's table. So when he told him that, this is a, this is a powerful verse right here. The next one says, then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. See, as soon as Jonathan had let him know that, had told him that, this is what Saul said. He said, thou son, he basically said, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and into the confusion of thy mother's nakedness. So here is the king. It's very powerful that you get this, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends. Here is the king. He's extremely upset with his son, but his upsetting of his son, he didn't say anything about him being his son. He said, you're the son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Basically, he put his, he put his uh, indignation towards the mother of Jonathan because he was being rebellious, not himself. Now he's forgetting that he was the one that rebelled against God in the first place. You see that? And a lot of times that happened in our own lives. You know, you know, if you're a parent or you may have a child or you see a child and you see them exhibit certain characteristics and the first thing you want to do, if it's something that you don't like, you want to blame the other parents saying that they act just like them. I'm going to let that sit for a moment. You see that? Because he said, you're the son of a perverse and rebellious woman. See, but he didn't understand or he didn't take it to recognition that this whole thing, as you read back in the stories, was because of his own rebellion. So that's how we got to be. We can't be ready to point the finger at somebody else's actions when if we look back, we may be the very trunk that the tree is resting on. You see that? And that's what's happening right here in this place. He said, you the son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Basically, he wanted to charge it all on his mom and not on himself. Then this is what he said. He said, for as long as the son of Jesse lives upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now sin and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. So now he's pronounced judgment on his own son, Jonathan. See that? Jonathan was supposed to be the next in line. He was set up to be king, but his own father said out of his mouth because he said, you chose David. But as we understand in this story more and more, we're understanding it wasn't so much as Jonathan choosing David. It was the will of God. You see that. So Jonathan was sacrificing his own will. He was sacrificing his own right to be next in line because he knew that he wasn't the chosen one to be the king even though in the natural way, it seemed that he was definitely supposed to be the king. Do you see that? That's powerful, powerful language right there. And that's something that you and I, family and friends, we got to understand. Sometimes God's will is not for the choice to be you. But as we'll see here, he did have a significant part to play. So we got to ask ourselves, are we doing what God is asking us to do? Are we choosing God's will over our own will? You see that because in this, he, he could have said, listen, I want to be king and I'm supposed to be king. And that's that and not help David at all. But that would have been him acting out of a selfish will. He would have not been acting out of what God's will was because God's will was for David to sit on the throne, even though he was not related by natural blood affection. So you see that? You see that powerful language in that? That's extremely powerful right there.
So here is Saul. Like I said, he's upset. And now he's pronounced judgment on his own household because he said, listen, as long as the son of Jesse lives, you're not going to be established, nor your kingdom. So he's telling Jonathan, he said, as long as you befriending this man, as long as you are choosing him, then your kingdom, and you're supposed to be a king, you're supposed to reign after me, you're not going to be established. You're not going to have all of what you are entitled to have as long as he's around. You see that? So Jonathan, he could have got real funny at this time. He could have just said, listen, I'm dropping this, but he didn't. He chose the will of God. So that's a question you and I have to ask ourselves. Are we willing to choose God's will even when we're not the choice that he is choosing? You see that? That's That takes a lot of humility. It, it takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of self-examination in order for a person to be able to do that because we always want to be first. That's just in human nature. We always want to be first. We always want to be the ones uh, that got the, that's in the spotlight. We always want to be the ones that is broadcasting what we can do and what we're about. But sometimes God is choosing us to do certain parts. And the part that we think we're supposed to play, we're not to play that part. You see, this is why at this stage in life, I'm asking God, Father, just let me do what it is you call me to do. Let me be okay with whatever you've chosen for my life. And some of you that are on this broadcast, you at that point of decision where you got to make that same choice. Am I willing to do what God's will is regardless if I'm not where I think I should be? See, that's a question that you have to ask yourself because it may be somebody else. Listen, there's always going to be somebody that's more gifted than you. There's always going to be somebody that's more anointed than you. There's always going to be somebody else that can preach better, that can teach better. You see that they can run faster, they can jump higher, that has more money, that has more this, has more info, whatever it may be. They're all different degrees and variations of different gifts, abilities, talents, and uh, influence that God has given certain people. And some of them, you know, they're just going to have it. It's going to be some that's going to be more talented. They may have numerous gifts and God may be using them for a specific thing. Or you might be the person that got numerous gifts. And you may feel like, well, I'm supposed to be in this spot right here because I can do this and that. But it might not be the will of God. You see that? You got to be okay with that. Now, Jonathan, this man, he was an incredible example of somebody who had a lot of piety, who had a lot of humility, and somebody that was able to put his own agenda aside for the things that God wanted to do. So let's get back to that. So it says, Jonathan answered Saul, his father, said to him, wherefore shall he be slain? What has he done? He's basically defending the will of God. In this particular story, David is a prototype of the will of God because he said, what has he done? Why you want to kill him? And then here it is, verse 33. It says, and Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. Now that's that's extremely important right there. So here is Saul. He got so upset because David is alive and Jonathan has chosen the will of God by protecting David and by standing with, with what God's choice was that he threw a javelin at his own son. You see how rebelliousness and perverse thinking can turn a person. Saul was going out of his mind. I mean, he was even ready to kill his own son, the one that he just said was supposed to inherit the throne, but he wouldn't as long as David was around. So he threw a javelin at him. So here he was trying to kill his own son. Now, this is just a, a picture, a perfect picture to show us that sometimes 
Choosing the will of God will make those around you want to slay you. Did you get that? Choosing the will of God will make those around you want to kill you. Well, how are they going to do that? Now, they're not throwing javelins like they were back in this time, but they'll do it by using their mouth as a bow and their words as arrows. And they shoot with their mouth the words as arrows to pierce and to kill the anointing on your life, the call of God on your life, the purpose on your life. These are things that people will do when they are faced with this type of situation. And so this is what happened. It was a natural affection. It was a father and his son. And it looked it looked to Saul as that, listen, my own blood son is choosing this friend, is choosing my enemy over me. But in, in reality, it wasn't that. God had sovereignly arranged it to be this way. Because of Saul's rebellion, God chose David. And so he's using Jonathan as a covering for David. You see that? So Jonathan's got a role to play. No, it's not to be the king, but it is to protect the one that's going to become the king. You see that? Sometimes you may be in that very situation where God is calling you to protect something that he's going to bring to the forefront in the future. Wow, that's powerful. See, we got to understand that. It says, so Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did eat no meat the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. You see that? And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and the little lad was with him. And this is what he said. He said, lad, he said, listen, run, find out now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. So then it's basically saying that he shot those arrows. You know, the little lad, he went, the little guy, he went after him. He went to go see where they were. And so then it came to this part right here. It says in verse 40, it says, Jonathan gave his artillery to his lad and said to him, go carry them to the city. Verse 41, it says, as soon as, <clears throat> Excuse me. As the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And he kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you see this. This is powerful right here. It says, Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. So, as you can see, this is a very uh, bittersweet ending, but these were two friends who were joined together by a covenant. And that covenant was for the will of God to be done. So Jonathan, like I said, he's in a very difficult place right here. He knows that his father's upset with him. Matter of fact, his father not only wanted to kill David, but tried to kill him as well. So this is telling you and me in retrospect that we've got to be willing to go through some things when we're choosing to do the will of God. We got to be willing to go through some stuff when we're choosing to do the will of God, because it doesn't always work out the way that we think it should. You see that it doesn't always work out the way that we think it should work out, because here it is in this story that uh, David and Jonathan were in a very significant place. And Jonathan was in a very, very crucial spot because he could have went one way and done away with David he could have did something totally different. He could have chosen his own will. He could have set himself up to be king and set David up to be killed. But he knew that the will of God was not that. The will of God was for David to be the king. You see that? And so here is a part here that where Jonathan had already succumbed to the reality that David was going to be the king. He had already made up in his mind that, listen, I know that this man is supposed to be king. 
I know that he is. And Jonathan's like, listen, I, I don't have any problem with that. So we're going to understand this here a bit more. So let's go to this particular verse. This is 1 Samuel. We're still in 1 Samuel. We're going to go to another chapter. And this is going to tell us a little bit more in this, basically about choosing the will of God. All right. So let's go to 1 Samuel. We're going to go to chapter 23. Let's go there. You hear me turning these pages? I'm telling you, there's nothing like having a Bible in front of you that you can turn to. You go back for reference. You can always turn the pages. You can always mark in them. I'm telling you, it's just something about having the pages. So we're going to chapter 23. Let's go there. And we're going to start in verse, let's start in verse 14. Can we do that? Well, actually, let's go up a little bit more. We're not going to start in 14. Let's start in verse. Let's start in verse. Verse 12. All right. So here is uh, David. and He's in a he's in a hole right now. He's in a hole. And he is, like I said, he's on the run from Saul. He's been on the run from Saul all the while, and he's still uh, trying to find out how he's going to get free. So in verse 12, it says, Then said David, Will the men of Kaliah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. So here is David. He's been praying, asking the Lord about what to do because he knew Saul was practicing mischief against him. He knew that Saul... Um, was seeking to destroy him and is going to take out anybody that's around during the same time. So it says, um, then David and his men, which were about 600, they arose, they got up, they departed out of Kaliah and they and went wheresoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Kaliah and he forbade to go forth. So he found out that David had escaped. So he wasn't running after him. He said, and David abode in the wilderness and strongholds. And remain in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hands. So this man was on the run for his life. This man was after David. He was trying to kill what the will of God was. God had already crowned and said David's going to be king. He had already chosen David because of Saul's rebellion. You see that. So in this story, here is this man. He's mad because God has chosen somebody else. And so he's revengeful and he's vengeful. He wants to come after him. He wants to try to stop the will of God. It says and said, David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness in, of Ziph in a wood. So he was in the woods in a place called Ziph. And then here again, here comes Jonathan once again. Here comes that one who was supposed to take the throne, but he's choosing the will of God instead. It says, Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And this is the key right here, verse 17. And he said unto him, he said, fear not. See, don't be afraid, David, for the hand of, my, of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul, my father, knowest. Do you see that? This is one of the most powerful passages in this entire story. The man who was supposed to be king abdicated his kingship to the one that God had chosen and said that I will come up under you as you reign as king. Do you see how powerful that is? That's somebody that chose to take the second place even though he was in line to be first place. Now, how many of us can do that when it's God's will? If it's God's will for you to be second place and not in the first, are you willing to do that? Man, that's powerful. I'm telling you, that speaks volumes right there. That's powerful right there because many of us don't want to do that. 
family and friends, ladies and gentlemen, you know human nature. You know it's true. Many of us are not willing to do that, but it's God's will in this particular passage of scripture. And then in verse 18, it says, and they too made a covenant before the Lord. And David abode in the woods and Jonathan went to his house. So that was the last time that they saw each other. You see that that was that was it for them. They had they had not seen each other anymore after this time. So we got to understand this. And this this talks about it in Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 4. I'm just going to read it for sake of time. But you can turn there. Matthew chapter 10, chapter 4. Uh, chapter 10, verse 4. This gives a perfect example of what we're talking about. Because see, when it comes to doing the things of God, it's got to be God's will first. So this is Jesus talking. And this particular passage of scripture, it tells exactly what is going on in here. So Matthew chapter 10, are you there yet? Go ahead and turn there. We're going to go ahead and turn there. Because we're going to end right here. Matthew chapter 10. This is Jesus speaking. He says, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. He said, I came not to send peace, but a sword. All right, I need you to get that. Then the next verse, he says, for I am. Am, I'm sorry, this is chap, This is verse uh, 34. He says, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Well, wait a minute. Everybody says, Jesus, you come to bring peace. <laughs> you know, we see no songs, peace on earth. We say that all the time, you know, let there be peace on earth. But Jesus is telling us right here, he said, no, me coming, when I come on the scene, when I get on the scene, it's going to do something. So that we started at verse 34, not four, excuse me, it's 34. He said, don't think that I come to send peace. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And then he goes on and says, he says, for I'm come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Oh, man, is that not what we just talked about here? He said, verse 36, he says, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now, you see this? This is all the way around. Here it is that Jonathan had a foe in his father that was supposed to be his protective, somebody is supposed to bring him up and bring him into a good place. Jonathan was a foe of Saul because Saul was fighting against the will of God. Do you see that? David was a foe of Saul because Saul was fighting against the will of God, but David was choosing the will of God. So that's why this scripture is so powerful because he says he come to set a man at variance. See, the Lord is talking about natural affection. And then he says, he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that take not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it. And he that lose his life for my sake shall find it. So in this particular story here, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, we see that Jonathan chose the way of the Lord. And that's what we got to do because he did it even in the opposition of his natural affection and his blood tie relationship. And this is what it means when you become a believer. This story all talks about us today and how when you become a believer in God, you've got to be willing to do God's will, even when you're not the choice. You got to be willing to do God's will, even when it's contrary to what things look like in the natural. Do you see that? So that's, that's, that's the place that we have to be. We have to be at a place to where we are settled to know what God's will is, that we are settled to do the things that God has called us to do. This particular story here that talking about Jonathan and David is so descriptive of what we go through in our own lives. 
How many of y'all been faced with those situations where you know it was the right thing to do to do the opposite, but you chose to do the former because it had some relationship to your blood relationship or your ties to people that you know naturally? I can say that I have. So when it comes to the will of God, we got to understand the things of God is going to be contrary to what we hold dear because we can't love anything more than what God is and who he is and what his will is in our life. That's where you as a believer, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends have to use your will to choose the will of God. And see this story here, David and Jonathan, Jonathan chose to do the will of God, even when everything looked opposite and contrary to that, because he knew that God had appointed David to be the king and for him to rule. So I pray this broadcast tonight has helped somebody. I pray that it's helped somebody. I know that even me um, being here and listening is like I'm listening to it outside of myself because it has helped me as well choosing the will of God. I mean, this is a powerful, powerful thing. And this is something that you and I have to deal with every day, choosing God's will over our own, even when we're not God's choice. Now, as you understand and read this story even more, you'll find out that Jonathan, he was used by God, but it wasn't the way that he thought he should be used by God. And he had a son later on uh, that it talks about, and we said it before, that because of his staying in the lane that God had called him to, because of his willingness to protect the will of God and go forward what God has decreed and declared, his household was shown favor later on in life. And that's how I want to be. I want my obedience to God to be able to show favor to my household, even when I'm no longer around. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Defender. My name is James Fox. You can go to our page at anchor.fm forward slash the hyphen defender. That's anchor.fm forward slash the hyphen defender. And on that page, you will see all of the broadcasts that we do week after week. Once again, we are on every Sunday at 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It has been wonderful with you discussing the will of God uh, from last week and choosing God's will over your own on this week. I pray that this will empower you. We'll see you next time. Have a great evening. The Defender is an online radio broadcast geared toward teaching the Word of God. Our aim is to present the scriptures of the Bible in an informative, systematic process that exalts the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We strive for the inner and accurate interpretation of the scriptures by a revelation from the Holy Spirit. We are established to give His counsel as pertains to what He has revealed in His Word. Tune in next time for The Defender. The Defender is copyrighted by James Fox Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network.